Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 198 of the podcast that was originally recorded on March 27th of 2018. Eric and I are continuing to go through our top 100 board games, and in this episode we are discussing numbers 60 to 41. We hope you are enjoying our discussion of our top board games. Let's get into them. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the games. This is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. We are on episode 198 of the podcast, and today I have here with me again my co-host, Eric Gergatz. Eric, how are you this evening? I'm excited, Joe. I'm excited. You know what? I am too. We're doing this a little early in the week. We usually do this towards the end of the week. Yesterday, I came home from work and kind of crashed very early. And it felt good. That's the sad thing. <laughs> You're getting old. That's all it is. You're getting old. I don't think it has anything to do with age. I think it just has to do with work. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So we are on episode, like we just said, 198. And we are continuing our trek. Moving forward. Marching onwards to episode 200. Continuing our top 100 countdown Today, we are doing 60 to 41. Woo! Do you want to start with your 60, or would you like me to start off with my 60, sir? Well, you keep starting off here, so... I was going to say, I was going to let you I was going to let you start off today, since i always been doing it. Oh, fine, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll do this one today. You start off with 60. Okay. Go for it. Number 60. My number, number 60. Number 60. My number 60 is an abstract game. That currently in America finally came out this year in 2018, but I believe it's a couple years old already. And it's a game I showed you and Dave at the store recently. It's a game called Dokemus. Oh, yes, yes. That was a good one. Yeah, so this is interesting. It was an interesting little abstract game about moving pieces on the board. And the thing I liked about it was a. It's an abstract game. I love those. B, it is pretty short. I think we played it in, what, like a half hour? Probably, yeah. That sounds about right. And then C, it's an abstract game that plays more than two players. So that was also another one. And then just the whole just the whole concept of the game. Just, hey, you put two or three pieces on the board at one time. And then you might have some special power you can do. And the big thing about that game was the how the board rotates and twists and goes crazy. It it's a it's a really crazy abstract like game where you're trying to just you could screw people over uh, all the time. So it's it's a simple one, but it's one that really caught my eye, and I'm glad it finally came out here in America. So I'm not going to talk too much about it, but that's my number 60, Dokemus. All right. My number 60, a game released in 2016, one that we are probably kickstarting its um, successor. John D. Clare was designer, AEG published it, and this is Mystic Veil. Ooh. 
Mystic Veil, um, I don't think you've talked about it yet. So Mystic Veil is the card crafting game. Uh, it is essentially a deck builder, but you're not only building your deck, you're building your cards while you are building the, well, you're playing the game. Uh, first game that I can think of that had this kind of card crafting mechanism to it, which I really enjoyed. It's a game that we've played quite a bit over the years since we picked it up. Um, we have the first expansion. We don't have the other expansions to it. And I know I need to pick those up because I remember we were talking about that before. I know some of the later, some of the other expansions change some of the mechanisms or add some more to the game. I believe the first expansion just adds additional cards to the game. You are correct. Uh, but it's still, still a really fun game. One that, um, like I said, we have probably kickstarted the spiritual successor to that, which is Edge of Darkness, which I am really looking forward to. Um, but Mystic Veil will fit the bill for right now. Just for now. Just for now. <laughs> so that was my number 60. On to 59. Can you say that a little more epically, please? 59. 59, dudes. <laughs> okay. My number 59 is also an abstract game. And I believe this originally came out in 2014 and didn't make it over here to America till 2016, I believe. It's also a Japanese game, so there's that again on my lists. But this one came over from the Dice Tower Essentials line. This is Onitama. And it's a it's a very simple abstract game. Once again, you will see a little bit of a trend in these list here today from me where you just have two players going on you're either trying to capture a person's uh what headmaster i can't even remember the real names or you're trying to get your your headmaster to a certain spot on the board and all you do is you flip back and forth between these cards that tell you how you can move and that's it it's a lot of variability because i believe now there's like 30 some different cards that you can have you only use five each round or each game oh wow so there's there's a good amount of replayability on how these things can move um simple as that side side note when my in-laws were here for our wedding i managed to get uh, my now brother-in-law and now father-in-law to play this and they really enjoyed it so cool so there's that nice I'm keeping it simple today. I don't want to bore people, so. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I mean, let's, let's, my next game is going to be um, a little bit heavier than uh -huh. yours. It's definitely not an abstract. It's from 2012, designed by Christian Marcus Marcuson, published by Z-Man. You will not guess this because I don't know if you've ever played this one. Clash of Cultures. I always look at it at the store, too. And this is one that is on my... I, I don't know if this one's on my wish list or not. Um, as I am on Board Game Geek, I am adding it to my wish list. Um, so I just did that. <laughs> Maybe well, you should actually, focus on the podcast, Joe. I don't want to buy. I want I want to own it. All right. Well, it's on my wish list. All right. And it's a civilization builder. It is a little bit heavier of a civ builder. Um, cause most of those are, you know, you're going to start off with a small 
single settlement and try to work your way up to an empire. It has a modular board you're going to explore. And um, it was just a lot of fun when I played it. It definitely has a little bit of a learning curve to it, just like all those civilization games do. But this was probably one of the first Civ games that I probably played, I think. And I played this one several years ago. And I've always, I, I always enjoyed it. I always thought it was a really good game. Um, I like Civ Builders, but um, I don't get to play them that much because they they take they take a lot of time. Yeah, you you know you don't like those long games. It, well, they're, I yes, I I hate them. But it's <laughs> this this is one where it's literally probably going to take you the whole evening to play, and sometimes you just can't get people to bite on playing a game like that. Mm-hmm. That's almost more of a weekend game and stuff, and. I'm still trying to get Kim into the civilization style games. They are hard uh, to get people hooked on. Yeah, but Clash of Cultures is my number 59. See, we're going quick today. It's nice. People will like us finally. Yeah. <laughs> Please like us. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So we're down to 58 now. Yes, 58. My 58. I'll probably get a little bit of shit about for being this low. And it, huh. I'm it was, curious now. It was one of my favorite games from 2016. Because you're usually giving me shit, and I don't get to give you shit, so this should be interesting. <laughs> All right. One of my favorite games from 2016, Terraforming Mars. Wow. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. 58? Yeah. I I, th- I thought about it. Like I said, this is wow. this has gone down more, and the biggest reason is it just takes so damn long, no matter what. That, that's that's the biggest thing. I, I love the game. I love building my little corporation. I love putting the the tiles out on the map and and increasing all the different the temperature and and the oxygen levels and everything. But no matter what, this game is always taking two to three hours, even with two players. And with that amount of time, I could play a few other good medium Euros and have probably more of a a good, satisfying feeling. I hear you. I hear you. That that was always my complaint. That's why the in 2016, it was my number five. When everybody was saying it was their number one, it was it made my top ten. But I dinged it for the time. That and that that's. Like I said, that is the main reason is no matter what player count, it's always going to be two to three hours and then sometimes even more. I'm not going to complain about component issues because I don't mind everything. It's just that thing kills me every time where, hey, you know, you can't just play this anytime. You really got to set apart two to three hours and it doesn't always work out that way. If if a game plays for two players, I'd like to have that just a little bit quicker you know, an hour to an hour and a half for a, a good medium weight euro is good for me. But taking that much time, just dropped it down just enough for me that that it's number 58 for me. Terraforming that's, Mars. That's that's completely fine. There's a little bit of a chance that I probably have that game on my list because I haven't said it yet. So we'll see where it ends up for me if it's on my list. It'll be the first crossover between your and my list. <laughs> No, this next game may be a big crossover, Ooh. and it's number 58 for me. It was a game from 
1999. And no, I'm not talking about a Prince song. Party over, oops, out of time. Designer Karsten Hartwig may give it away and published by Ravensburg, Z-Man. Mm-hmm. Chinatown. I, I like their food there. <laughs> Coincidentally, I had Chinese food today for dinner, so. Lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chinatown, though. Um, we've played this multiple times, and I believe we played your copy. This is a negotiation game, um, and I don't know what else to say about it other than it's a negotiation uh, game, and you are just trying to just trade your ass off with everybody at the table to try to just get the, get control of the areas and score as many points as you can. Uh, the first time I think you had introduced this game to us, I wasn't too sure about it, but uh, we had a great time. And every time we've played it since then, it's been a great time. It's, <laughs> it's if you have the, this is a game that I could see it's going to be group dependent. Yes. If you don't have people who are willing to trade, who are willing to negotiate, who are willing to barter, who are willing to sit there and possibly give something up to maybe receive something later or, you know, just kind of play the game. And not overthink it too, too much and literally just have a good time. Um, if you have the right group like we've had, I think this game is just a spectacular game. So I've every time we've played it, I've always enjoyed it. And I'm, I have a feeling this is higher on your list because I know you really like this game. And I know you haven't mentioned it yet, so I'd be very surprised if this did not make your top 100. All right. So well, no you, spoilers. Just keep 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 a running tally of games you think are going to be on my list. No spoilers, but um, <laughs> yeah, that was Chinatown is one that I really I really enjoyed. Okay. Coincidentally, yeah. I I sold a copy of that relatively yes. recently and made some good money on that. So I I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. So all right, we're going to fifty seven now. 57. It took a little bit for that one. I was waiting. I didn't know if I were going to be doing this continually. I will say it now all the time. Well, you keep doing it. So 57, 57, 57, 57. <laughs> My 57, I bought, I think it was the first game I bought after I came back from Japan. Oh, wow. Because it reminded me of traveling around the city. And just seeing the theme in that kind of brought me back. It had good fond memories. Game I still like to play, Trains. I, when you said Trains, I knew you were going to say Trains. I thought you had owned that before previously. No, I, I got it like just, like, I think I bought it like the week after I came because I saw it and I saw like the themes and everything. And I, I'm sitting there like looking at all the cards and I'm like, damn, dude, this is, you don't, you have no idea how how true that was to everything. Like you're just looking uh -huh. at the pictures. You're like, that looks, that reminds me of this freaking place right there. I'm like, ah, oh. it coincidentally, it is, a, it is a really fun game. It essentially takes dominion with a map. Yep. And building different routes. It is, it's crazy. I enjoyed it. It's the maps are kind of, they're not as appealing as they could be, but it's a nice, simple game. I've, I've shown it to my family. They've picked it up. Even my dad has played it, and he 
really sucks at modern games at picking them up. <laughs> That's <laughs> unless, nice to say. Unless they're like super easy. This is like one of the more weightier games he's been able to play and understand. It's a it's a deck builder. So that there's yeah. that. It's uh it's it's a good one. It's coincidentally from one of my favorite designers, which we'll probably see some more stuff from later on. Cool. That's my 57 trains. All right, my number 57, a game from 2009, designed by Andreas Stedding, published by, well, here on Board Game Geek, it says Argentum Verlag, and then it says three more, so I don't know who the hell actually published it, who the three more are, but it's Hansa Teutonica. Oh, oh, okay, cool. We played this a couple of times, and this is... A game where you're trying to build routes is probably the easiest way to say it. Um, you have some area control in the game. And you're acting as traders, trying to basically build a network of offices. You're going to try to control different cities. And it's the first time we played it. I know it took me probably a good half of the game to really kind of get a feel for this one. This one, this one's definitely a little medium, more medium, medium heavy on the medium or medium you know, just a tad over medium, I would say. Just a little um, bit. The, the interesting thing is, as you're building your routes out, um, you know, people can kind of like, kind of get in your way. And it's very easy for people to disrupt you, what you're trying to do by going before you, getting to um, a location before you do. Um, but it was one that I... When the couple times we played it down there at the store, I, I I've kind of I've enjoyed it both times. It is an older game. I know it's a little harder to get. Um, I don't know if I've actually ever seen it on sale at the store, um, or how easy this would be to get at a store. But um, you don't go to the right stores, Joe. I maybe I don't go to the right I, stores. I can name two that I've seen it at. All right, Josh. Okay. <laughs> All right. My I've fifty-seven was Han- two times. So. My fifty-seven was Hansa Teutonica. <laughs> all right all right we'll go to my 56 now where i'm going into a a type of game i'm usually not that big on i kind of am but i'm not so i'm going to pick a social deduction game now a little bit of a controversial one because it kind of ripped off another one that i had and this is where words where essentially this is 20 questions mixed with werewolf, where you have someone who knows a word and people are trying to guess this word and there is a werewolf trying to get people to guess the word but then get away with them thinking that he's not a werewolf. It's it's as simple as that. It's, a, it's literally like a five-minute game. But it is one of the better social deduction games because it's kind of hard for people to to guide someone to a word without being blatantly obvious about it. So it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty fun to see when how people can manipulate someone into that. So that's that's what I liked about it. It it's just a little bit different than other social deduction games where some of them you're just like okay well. I can do it this way. This one, you really had to be subtle, but purposeful. And I really like that about it. So that's my number 56. 
swear words. All right, my number 56 is a game. Board Game Geek says it was released in 2015. Okay. Designed by Shem Phillips, it was... Here it says it was published by Garfield, Garfield Games, but I know it was done by Renegade. It's Raiders of the North Sea. And I believe it came out last year is when pretty much it hit retail and it was widely purchasable in retail, if I remember correctly. I believe the Kickstarter came out in 2015. Yeah. And then it just started getting buzz and then it got picked up. Right. And and I could see why it gets some buzz. Um, I believe you introduced this game to us. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually, Kim and I did a video for this game a couple of weeks ago. So if you check out youtube.com slash what I'm playing now, you can see Kim and I play through a two-player game of this. This is a worker placement game. Uh, one of the things I think that I find very unique in this one is um, every each round, you basically have one worker in front of you. You're going to place that worker somewhere on the board to do an action, and then you're going to take a worker off of the board. It can't be the same one um, to do another action. Uh, so I kind of found that mechanism as far as worker placement goes to be kind of cool. Uh, it does have a Viking theme. You are trying to raid different villages and fortresses and other things on the board. Um, multiple scoring tracks are on the board that you're going to try to work your way up as you're playing through the game. Um, but this is a game that we both really like, and it made it up to my number 56, Raiders of the North Sea. Mm. So I have a feeling there'll probably be some crossover here because I'm sure this would probably be on your list, so I should mark this one. <laughs> well, I haven't said it yet, so you don't know if it's on my list. Uh, no, I, I, I know your list. And, and yes, just to let you know, it is from Garfield Games as well, because that's the version I have. I was going to say, I think they did the Kickstarter, didn't they? Correct. That's the designer's own company. Right. Okay. I kind of thought so, but I knew Renegade. I, I think my copy's Renegade. Yes, yes, because I got mine a long time before you got yours, I believe. Yeah, I believe you did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my 55 now. 55! (laughs) Is another, I can't say social deduction game, but it is a deduction game. Because this one, you really don't uh, deduce anything from people talking. It's kind of all about card play and dice rolling and i don't okay think, i don't think I'm you've in, played this one yet because it's a I'm little intrigued, bit harder because i was gonna say i'm trying to think of what the hell this is it's a little bit harder to get played because i think you essentially do need five or six players to make it at least somewhat enjoyable it goes up to a maximum of eight this is shadow hunters i have not played this one this is one where it's a uh, it's a Japanese game. I know it was brought over here by Z-Man like a few years ago. Can't remember when. But essentially, people are dealt out different roles. And you, there are essentially three types of roles in each game. There is neutral players, there are shadows, and there's hunters. And essentially, the basic thing is... Hunters are trying to kill shadows, shadows are trying to kill hunters, and neutral people are just trying to stay alive. And all you do on your turn is you roll these two dice and they tell you a spot to move, and when you get there, you can pick up a card at this spot, or you can attack people at the spot you're on, and you're just trying to kill everyone. Or be the last one alive, or whatever your cards say. The 
the crazy thing is the deduction is really nice because you're trying to just figure out what everyone's doing. You use the cards at the locations you go to to see what people are. So you understand if so-and-so is getting attacked because the other person knows something about them. Maybe you want to go after one of those two guys. Who knows? It's it's a crazy game. There's There's different weapons you can pick up. There's different cards you can play to see what people's roles are or, or understand things. It's it's not that I'm making it sound a lot harder than it is because it's really a simple game. But it is one of the better deduction games I have found in recent times. That's my 55, Shadowhunters. All right, my 55 is a game from 2013 designed by Helmut Ole and Leonard Orgler, published by Z-Man Game. And it is Russian Railroads. Mm -hmm. This is a worker placement game. I have played this game quite a bit. Um, Even though it was released in 2013, it was a game we actually didn't start playing probably until 2015, 2016, I think it was. And when we first started playing this one, we played this one a lot. Um, A lot. A lot. we've, We've played Russian Railroads, German Railroads. I think the only one I didn't play, I don't think I tried the U.S. one because I believe there was a, a U.S. expansion too. Um, I don't think the U.S. just added a new map or a new board possibly, whereas um, German railroads added in some new mechanisms to the game and expanded upon Russian railroads besides some new board components as well. Um, but you're basically building out a, a train network, a railway network, and it is actually a very it's – a, it's a really fun worker placement game. It's one we've played it quite a bit, and we really try to. There aren't too many games where we sit there and we play them to try to figure out different strategies, and this is one where we have tried the game multiple times, doing multiple different strategies. Several of us down there at the store, um, and it's it's one like I said, play Russia, play the Russian railroads, or play the expansion German railroads. Great game. This is more of a definite medium weight game. Um, but I didn't find it that, that heavy. I mean, so I I would definitely say it's not heavy. I would say it's a nice, solid medium game. Some people may think, um, with a lot of the different stuff going on in the game, it may lead, tend a little bit more towards that. I, to me, it's, it's just a nice medium style worker placement game. So, and I don't know if you've ever played that one. Uh, not the version. No, I've played the card game version. Oh, I, I haven't seen the card game version. You've played it. It's just under a different name. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Refresh my memory, then. First class? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess so. <laughs> Everyone right. says it's the card game version of Russian Railroad, so... Uh, yeah, I can kind of see that. I have played that. Yep, yep. Okay. All right. You know, I can't comment about that one because I have not played it. It's a good one. It's... It's it's a it's a very good worker placement game. Yeah, you win worker placement games, man. You know what? I'll give you a hint. My next one isn't. But let's jump into your 54. My 54 is another Japanese-Chinese theme game from one of my favorite designers. It's one that people are pretty split on if they like it better than a certain other game or not, but I really enjoy it. 
it it definitely is a little bit of a uh, brain burner at times for how simple it actually is to play. I'm not sure if you've played it yet or not, Joe, but my number 54 is Yamatai. I'm trying to think if I played that one or not. I can't remember. I don't think I have. It is... It's one of the more interesting games I've seen in a while. It's just... It's very... It's hard to to understand at first glance. The more I've played it, the more I've picked up strategy and tactics to play. But all it is is essentially picking a turn order tile, getting some boats and laying these boats in certain patterns on the board in order to place a, a little shrine on different islands. And that that's the main gist of the game there's other you score points by by claiming these islands and by buying different gods it's a very simple game but it is very it's very thinky it's with more players you will probably be sitting around for a little bit taking your time and your brain is probably gonna hurt a little bit. It, it's <laughs> it's hurt me every time I've played it because it, it's it's just hard to try to come up with everything just on the fly, which I try to do with a lot of my games now. Just play them as quickly as I can the first couple times just to understand how everything goes. But that said, it's a very beautiful game. It's a Days of Wonder game. Oh, so, cool. So you should know it automatically looks really good. And yeah. I will have to intro- introduce this to you guys sometime. Yeah, I'll check it out. I know I've seen it. I don't. I don't think I've played it. And if I did, I, I'm, I'm not remembering it right now. I, th- but I, I know I've it, seen the box. I think it lost its buzz really quickly, but it's one that I'm itching to play more mm-hmm. rather than not play more. So my number fifty four, Yamata. So my number fifty four is one that I definitely would like to play a little bit more. Um, it is from twenty thirteen. Designed by Corey Kaniska and Nikki Valens. Published by FFG. Eldritch Horror. Oh, okay. A little bit different of a game considering all of my worker placements and everything. Um, Yes, I kind of do like Eldritch Horror. I'm a fan of H.P. Lovecraft Mythos. And um, I know when I was looking at some of the games like Arkham Horror, Eldritch Horror, I picked up Eldritch Horror. It looked... um, it was the successor to Arkham Horror, so from what I had read, the rules had been cleaned up some. And what you're doing is each player uh, plays an investigator. You're going around the world trying to close different gates. You're trying to defeat a great, defeat a great one um, and try to push them back um, from taking over the world. Uh, you're going to be gathering clues and um, traveling around. Um, Eldritch Horror takes place. The map is kind of like... It doesn't look like a world. I don't want to say it looks like Risk, but it does have different locations throughout the world. Um, whereas Arkham Horror was basically set within Arkham. So that was within a city. Our Eldritch kind of does take place over the world. So you are traveling, you know, from far off locations um, in this game. But um, the one thing I will say about this one is it is a table monster. <laughs> I've 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 tried to play this before before we had our game room and we had a nice big table. I tried to play this in my living room when I was learning how to play it on a card table one day 
and I literally had the board set up with all bunch of little containers everywhere. And I had to have TV trays on both sides of the table with more stuff on them. Jeez. It was that big of a freaking game. It took up that much space. And I was sitting on the couch trying to learn to play this, you know, when I had first gotten it. And it's it's a fun game. It's not that hard of a game um, once you kind of get everything down. Um, but it's 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 a it's a fun game. It's dice rolling, so there's going to be, you know, that variable, you know, that randomness to it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're trying to, you know, do skill checks and things like that. Um, but it's still it's still fun, and it made my number fifty four, Eldritch Horror. So I'm not you're expecting that. No, I wasn't What's expect- that? I wasn't expecting really? that. Yeah, really? co-op games. That's still not. You can play. You can play it solo. Oh, okay. You can play it solo. I have a feeling you were doing that a lot. (laughs) You, you know it. (laughs) All right, you're fifty three. All right, my fifty three is a game. I'm pretty sure it's going to be on your list eventually. You never know. I'm pretty sure you've played it enough, but it combines. I would say one of the concepts I like of building stuff. I, I, I say that this is kind of a deck builder with dice. To a point. But my number 53 is Favor of the Pharaoh. This was uh, this was one I picked up very early in my modern career. And at that point, I did like dice games just random dice games, but I did like the idea of rolling dice to get more dice to get more dice. And towards the end of that game, you have a shitload of dice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's, it is one of the games that has brought out a lot of crazy moments where people are trying to get that final roll off. And someone's like, man, I just need this. I need like one six right here. And I got one die left and I'm down to this. And it, it sometimes it happens where you're like, Oh, you get it, and then it's a massive emotions going through people. I, I, I haven't had anyone not like this game yet. So, and it is definitely one of my most played games for sure. And it's even nicer with all the extra dice that I bought for it too. So, and I, I, and I remember when that came out. It was right around the time of I think Tabletop Day, um, down at the game store the one year and. We were doing a stream down at the store, and we must have played that game for the first three plus hours. Oh, oh, just repeatedly with different people. <laughs> I mean, it was it had the game had just come out. I think like that week, and we just got on. I started playing it at midnight and didn't stop till like three or four in the morning just before we switched games. Yeah, I don't know why people don't talk about this one as much because it's one of the better games I've seen. It's 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 definitely fun. Kim and I have played it a couple of times in the past few years, but not it hasn't hit the table that much. But, you know, when we're looking for something that's kind of I don't want to say brainless, but it's 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 akin to Yahtzee style yeah, um, with its dice. So, you know, when you when you're looking for something to where there isn't a lot of thinking and you're kind of just looking for a random dice rolling, it's a fun game. For sure. For sure. I still think it should get a little more love than people give it. So I agree. It's my 53 favorite right. of the fear. All right, so we're going to go in a little different direction for my 53. I mean, we're going from old ones to dice rolling to a game from 2005 
<laughs> Jeez. Designed by Ananda Gupta and Jason Matthews, published by GMT, the previous longtime holder of the number one game on Board Game Geek, Twilight Struggle. Oh, oh, okay. So I've played this game before, and this is one that I have not added to my collection yet. It's on my wish list. Um, you are basically playing through kind of the Cold War. Um, one person is U.S., the other person is Russia, and it is just a strategy. I mean, I hate to say a war game, but... In essence, that game. is in, in essence that is kind <laughs> of what you are playing in this game. Um, you there is a lot of different area control going on, um, a lot of different things going on in the game. But I really enjoyed it when I played it. I could see why it was the number one game for so long on Board Game Geek. Um, it's it's a little bit longer of a game, so it's one that would probably take you a good couple hours to probably go through. Um, and it's, I'd say it's a nice medium weight game. Well, you, you should buy it cause I want to play it. <laughs> it is on my list. You know, I think I do have it, um, on my phone. I either have it on my phone or on steam. I purchased it. I think. Oh, maybe I have to try that then. Cause I, so, you know how I like me some historical games. Yeah. And this, well, yes. And well, and, and Dave knows that as well. If he's listening. but that is my number 53 twilight struggle okay my number 52 now 52 well that wasn't as epic as all the other ones what the hell what do you mean yeah it was all right that was like valley girl 52 okay well maybe maybe 52 hit the valley you never know (laughs) why you gotta hate the valley what do you have against the valley eric I don't know. That, Maybe that's we need, is this is this a separate podcast we need to start? Well, it, well, if we're if we're in Ohio, <laughs> the Valley is where the movie theater is. So that, no, that's, that's true. A, that's all that. Is. So <laughs> my fifty-two is a game from another one of my favorite designers, who makes light medium Euro games, and this is one that you actually picked up for me at one point. Hmm. It's a dice-rolling, card-drafting, area-control-type game. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that goes in there. (laughs) My number 52 is Sentient. Yes. This is one I think people haven't given a lot of love to. Um, I haven't seen it played a lot In, in different groups. I haven't seen it played a lot. And I believe this. I believe the reason that you don't see it is because the game's a little overproduced, so that the price point for what you actually get is kind of not worth it. And I believe it's like a fifty-five dollar game when it should be like a forty-dollar game. Okay, but it's just because it has some pretty components. And it does. It does. Which the, thinking the game, in the long the run, because nice I've, I've pimped out other games. At about the same price, that would probably equal more than that. So I get I get the whole the whole price thing, but this is a simple game where you are just trying to draft cards, which affect the numbers on your dice that you have, and you're scoring points if you manage to get your dice to be certain things. And at the end of the game, you get some uh, some extra points by multiplying cards by these little badges that you get, 
and it doesn't sound like anything really great from my explanation, but with three or four players, it's kind of an intense game where you're just trying to really puzzle out puzzle each other. And I wonder if that, because we've talked about this before, I wonder if the mathiness is what has deterred people from maybe showing it the love that you think it deserves. And, and honestly, I, I will say I will say this out of my own opinion, you know, not not the show's opinion, because this is your show. I'm just a co-host. <laughs> but if the level of math in this game is too much for people, then you are dumb. I'm sorry, because they're there. All it is, is I can add one to my dice now or I could subtract one to my die. And then can I do basic multiplication? It's not mathy. Not okay. at all. I, I thought it, maybe I thought it was more mathy than it was. All, all it, is, it is, is you you have four choices. That's all it is. And I could do quick, I could do quick algebra in my head. You know, just based out of work and college and everything. This type of math is really quick, and you really only have four things that you can choose from. It's not a hard thing. I I don't get why people don't like this one as much as I think it should be. For a for a light lighter euro game uh-huh. i think this is one of the better choices out there maybe it's the sci-fi artwork i don't know yeah it's yeah i don't know what it is but like you said it's um it just you don't you don't really see it play that much even after uh, like origins last year where i think is where i picked it up for you when it was where it was for first released i think um you just didn't see a lot of it being played really anywhere and you really didn't hear a lot of people talking about it. I mean, after Origins, a couple of people were, you know, mentioned it, and then that was about it. That's true. It was one. It was one that kind of I think just got kind of like caught up in the stream of all these other games are coming out. It's an okay game. It, it wasn't anything that kind of stood out to the to the, to the masses. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's maybe released at the wrong time or what, but. It could be. Well, my, my sweet spot in games is like those $40 games that give a lot of punch in them because sometimes yeah. they're a lot better than a lot of these like 60 to $80 games. Agreed. So that's my thing. If, if I could get a game that's relatively cheap but gives me a lot of replayability, I think that's my sweet spot. So I'll probably see that a little bit more later on in the list and such. But we'll continue with your 52 now. My 52, speaking of Origins, is another game that Kim and I found while we were at Origins. Um, it was released in 2017, designed by Joel Finch, published by Simon, a little card game called Unfair. And when we sat down to play this game originally, we were a little, we had heard about it a little bit, and I had heard that it was, there was a lot of take that, and that was a turnoff to a lot of people. Well, if you watch the our YouTube channel and you listen to the show, you'll know that my wife and I love take that and don't (laughs) mind basically taking that to each other and beating each other over the head and everything. So this game was right up our alley and we've had a blast with this game. Um, It is a game where you have to decide whether you really want to screw over your neighbor or whether you want to possibly use a card to benefit yourself. So you have to try to figure out how you want to weigh this and how you want to play. I mean, you can sit there and easily continue bashing your opponent, but if you continually do that, you're not going to be able to build out your park. And what you're essentially doing in this game is building out a theme park. 
Your cards are going to be different rides, different um, possible concession stands and everything. You can have a certain amount of cards in front of you based on the size of park you're allowed to have. Um, and there's just cards that will each round interact with the game and kind of just, you know, the first half of the game, there's a stack of cards that are called fair cards. The second half of the game, they're called unfair cards. So right there, that should kind of give you a bonus, uh, you know, kind of like a notion of how the game is going to be played out. But um, like I said, we have a lot of fun with it, um, you know, and we just play it two players all the time. Uh, this is one we've actually talked about doing a video for, and we just haven't had a chance to play it yet uh, for, for you know, to record a video and throw it up on YouTube. But uh, we like it, and we haven't even tried out all of the different combinations of cards because they have different themes in the cards and some of the decks I believe are easier than others um some of the different themes are like pirate robot vampire jungle ninja gangster and you can mix those up and you only play with a couple of those for a game and you can mix those up so each game can really play differently based on the themes and the attractions and rides you're actually putting together in front of you so you know, I don't even think we've actually tried all the different themed decks, you know, yet in, in the game. But uh, every time we play this one, we just have a lot of fun with it. And for all the people who say, you know, they don't like the take that, we understand that. That's not for everybody, but um, it fits in our wheelhouse. <laughs> Is it overblown? Is it the take that? Yeah, there are people making more out of it than it actually is. There, considering the name of the game is unfair, there are times where it can be completely unfair. I mean, we played a multiplayer game before, and it would, you know, you can easily gang up on one person, and it can turn out to be a really shitty game for them. But <laughs> it's kind of it's part of the game, you know. I mean, if that happens, it, you know, the other people at the table can stop that from happening. So if that happens, I think you just have a bad group of people playing the game. If they're all going to gang up on one people, one person, you know, you would think that that would be spread out evenly. Ganging up on one person in and holding them down isn't really going to help you out any. Okay. I mean, so, but um, the components in this game are really nice. The cards are really nice. Uh, and like I said, it was a game when we sat down and played it, we looked at each other and we were like, huh, this is, we're going to be picking this up. Immediately, and we did. We bought it like right then from Simon, I think it was. So how to play it with you guys sometime? It's yeah, it's fun. It's fun. We like it, and that was my fifty-two. On to your fifty-one. Okay, my fifty-one. Just missing my top fifty. Is my two-player dueling game of choice. And it's one that I've been trying to get a bunch of people to try out, but with no luck so far. My 51 is Ashes, Rise of the Phoenix Born. I was thinking of something else. Okay. Yep. I've been wanting to play this too, and I've never have. Yeah, th this one, I don't know what it was when I first saw it, but, uh, well, I guess the basic thing was it was a fighting game where I didn't have to buy booster packs. Yep. And it was thumbs up. It was new at the time, so I didn't have to sit there and go through a bunch of people who've been playing it for years already. So you know, you always start off with a base pack, and you're just getting killed already. 
<laughs> this is one I, I don't get to play this one a lot and I find that bad because it, it is hard to get two player dueling games to the table um, Yuki does not like them so I don't play them with her <laughs> but this one every t- once you get into it with somebody who knows what they're doing and you actually know what you're doing it's an intense game like it, it's been some of the most satisfying satisfying games I've played where you're sitting there trying to figure out if you want to use your dice to play these cards or you're just trying to manipulate your dice to play other cards. It, I, it's hard for me to explain it. The, the game is just really intense. The art style is really great. I, I'm, I really don't care about the, the lore of, uh, of dueling games. You know, there, there is one, but it doesn't matter to me. I, I've got plenty of decks for this where I can sit there and pull out whatever. Do you like whatever style of of battling do you want? Here, I got a couple for you. Pick that. If you want to go into deck building, go ahead. Which I think is probably better the more you play it, but I'm still content with just playing the base decks. Cool. So that's my yeah, this is one that I, This is one that I've been wanting to play. Yeah, well, we're going to do it sometime. All right, so my 51 is probably in thinking about it, this is probably one of the longest games I've played in one, in one sitting. I would say this is definitely a heavier game. It was from 2010. Uh, it's supposedly, hopefully, going to get reprinted this year. It was designed by Chad Jensen. It's published by GMT, and that is Dominant Species. Oh, oh, okay. You, I don't think you've played this one before. No, I haven't. And it's insane. I've so heard. each each player plays a different um, animal class, and what you're trying to do is it's area control. You are just trying to both one expand the board, and um, just get your species to kind of survive. And, and just, as the name says, dominate. Um, it is a very take-that-game with the area control part. It is very easy um, for players to get into very good battles with each other um, over different territories and areas. Um, when we did a stream for this down at the game store, I want to say it was about three to four hours. Ten, tending closer to four, I believe, <laughs> um, is what it was. So when I say this is one of the longer games, it was probably a good 20 to 30 minute teach. I'm guessing closer to 30 minutes. And Brian is the one who taught it, too. So, you know, he's I think him and Jim both taught it. Um, so but we had, I think, five people playing this. Oh, geez. And it was just a blast. I mean, that time went by so fast. And when you have a game that that's heavy, that that's that it's so thinky, um, that can just make time just go by and you're like, walk up and be like, okay, my head's hurting, but that was freaking fun as hell. (laughs) It's, you know, there's something special there. And um, I can't wait for the reprint of this game to come back out this year. Uh, Because I will be picking it up uh, when it hits the stores right away. Well, let me know when that happens. I will play it with you. Yep. That was my 51 
dominant species. On to number 50. Hey, we're finally halfway through the list. I know we are. Look we're at halfway, us. Man, this is it's a miracle. Oh, and halfway done through today, too. Yep. Okay. Starting off my top 50 now. Is... Doesn't, that feel, isn't that, doesn't that feel good to say that? <laughs> we got two more weeks of this after this. Oh, man. I kill myself. I hope I don't play any good games between now and then. That's the thing. I'm, I've already played some that I'm like, oh, boy, that could easily be in my top 100, and I can't adjust my list now. Yep. So. Yep, I hear you. Okay. When when we finish this at the end, we may have when we get to after we get to number one, we may have to say, well, what I've recently played, and this would have probably easily made it in. <laughs> okay, my, all right. So number fifty, number fifty. My number fifty is a game from one of my favorite designers. It is a kind of prequel to a game I just mentioned maybe twenty minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that is Five Tribes. With this one, between this and Yamatai, I'm split on which one I like better. But I'm, well, I think I mainly like Five Tribes better. It's higher on your list. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I believe the reason is I like the board play a little bit more. I like the Mancala play of moving your, the dudes all around the map and placing them like that just a little bit more. I, the only thing that I am not big on in Five Tribes is the bidding for turn order. Really? I, it's just a weird thing. That I, was the one thing I liked about that game. Well, <laughs> screw you, man. I, I, maybe it's because I just suck at it, at bidding games. So that that could be the reason. But if, if there was a way to somehow get Yamatai's turn order choosing into Five Tribes... It might be like one of my top games, <laughs> like oh, wow. top, like top five or ten. Yeah, but that it's it's a crazy one. It's it's another thinky game. I the reason I don't play it a lot is because the chances when I would get to play it, I don't want to bring it out with the people because they're really slow and they take forever to think. <laughs> so, so that's why I don't get to play it as much as I would like to. But this is one that I'm like. I really want to play the Five Tribes, man. I want to just get into it. I got the expansions for it. I want to play those. I got everything packed into that one small-ass box. That box is overfilling with a bunch of stuff. And now it's got five players, so I can finally play with five people. That was the funniest thing when that game first came out. Everybody's like, it's five tribes, but it only plays four people. Well, now it's six tribes and plays five people. I don't know how many times when that game was pulled out down at the game store and everybody's like, oh, five-player game. Nope, it's only four. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's just, it's the wrongly named game. It's five tribes. The expansion adds a sixth one. The second expansion adds a fifth player, finally. We have, we, the, the name of this game will never be correct. It's five tribes plus one. That's funny. All right. Anything else to say about five tribes? No, no, it's, it's okay. six, tri- six tribes, man. All right, whatever it is. <laughs> We're going to jump over to my number 50. Number, my number 50 is, um, I guess you could say it's a dudes on the map type of game. Dude. Um, from 2012, designed by Jacques Berriot, Guillermo Montiag, published by 
Board Game Geek says Madagot. I don't know if that's who published the game I played or not. Um, it is Kemet. Kemet is an, is an Egyptian-style area control game. The miniatures in this game, I will say, are s- quite sweet. Um, the components in this game are actually quite good. The board looks really nice. Um, and I just really liked the Egyptian theme to this whole game. Um, you're going to be using different powers throughout the game to just work on your area control and try to just take over, you know, different areas of the map. Um, you're going to be able to purchase different, God, I guess you could say some sort of monsters because there's spiders and there's different types of things that you can actually bring onto the game, onto the game board, like snakes and spiders and different things. And they have different levels as well. Um, you know, the different colored levels will show different powers as to how strong they are. Um, another game in this series is Cyclades. I prefer Kemet over Cyclades. Um, Cyclades is more Greek mythology based, whereas Kemet is Egyptian based. And I liked, I preferred the Egyptian theme. They're very similar in that regard. But when I played Cyclades, I, I don't know, for some reason, it just didn't grab me the way Kemet did. And I just really enjoyed Kemet and just had a great time playing it. Hmm. I've yet to play either of those. I need to. Yeah, they're both they're both like I said, they're both dudes on a map style game. So, you know, if you if you're looking for one of those, I would start off doing Kemet. So, but it, but like it, doing I, drugs right there, like I would start off doing Kemet. <laughs> but I but I guess it also depends what type of theme you like. If you're into more of a Greek mythology style theme. You know, go Cyclades. I prefer Egyptian mythology myself. Uh, so that's See, I'm between both. So it's like either oh. of those. I'm like, oh fuck, those are like both of my top two right there. Like, yeah, yeah. I I would agree with you, but something about the Egyptian theme and just the board and everything, I thought I just really enjoyed it a lot. Mm. All right, all right. So all right, you're on to your number forty nine. Yeah, my forty nine is where I dip to. I, the rest of my list is starting to dip into the lighter games lighter than what you've already stated eh, not really <laughs> lighter than five tribes mine get ha- mine are getting heavier as we go up this bitch <laughs> I'm, mine's mine's like a my, mine's like some sound waves over here i'm going up and down i'm down. i just keep going back and forth it's it's crazy my 49 is a push your luck card game okay from designer alexander fister with a pirate theme called Port Royal. Okay. This one is just a simple game where you're just trying to push your luck on drawing cards out of a deck until you bust. And if you do, you're screwed for that round. If not, you can buy some cards and kind of build up a little tableau engine. And you're just trying to get to 12 points. Simple as that. Draw cards, bust, not bust, buy cards, Next player goes on, but it's a really fun thing where you're, I don't know, I just like push your luck, push your luck card games. I like that one too when we played it. That, that is a good game. So not too much to say about it, but every time I play it, hella fun. Cool. All right. My number 49, as Eric says, is a lighter abstract game. What? what why do you got to say it like that? Because <laughs> that's what like, you like. Always how say a lot suave of your... and fancy, you know. It's a lighter, <laughs> abstract game, you know, like a it's fine des- wine. Designed by Michael Kiesling, which might give it away. Published by Plan B. 
It's next move now. Get it right. It's next move now. But I believe it was published by Plan B on the box from the copy we played of yours. And that's Azul uh-huh. from 2017. Um, and oh, my headphones are dying. So Azul is basically a tile placement game. Well, I guess it's, I guess you could say it's tile drafting and then tile placement. Mm-hmm. You could say and that. You're, and you're going to be trying to take the tiles from these different areas um, of the, I don't want to say the board in front of you because they're all in these different cylinders, these circles. And you're able to draft those and you're trying to kind of fill out the tableau in front of you um, with the different colors and fill up a row with those. So scoring in this game is kind of funky. I'm sure Eric, this is much higher on Eric's list. So I know he likes it a lot more than me. So I'm probably going to let him talk a little bit more about this one. But um, I will say Azul is a very, very good abstract game. I don't have too many abstracts on my list, I will say. So for this to be at number 49, you know it has to be a pretty good game if I put it here. That's my wheelhouse, man. I love abstracts. All right. (coughs) You're 48. My 48 is a game that I know you have not played, and I've kept telling you you need to play this game. Well, maybe I have played it, and you just don't know about it. Well, I I think you're full of shit, first of all. Well, let's see. It is a filler game that can be played in 20 minutes. I probably have not played it. (laughs) (laughs) And it is currently my wife's favorite game called Cat Lady. Oh, I've seen this down at the store. Yes, I know I have not played this. I have not played this one. Well, first of all, I love drafting games. And this is one of the better ones that we, I've seen. we like we like drafting games. Well that that that's the main reason I was into it. I was like, okay, I like drafting games. Yuki loves cats. Put those two together, bam, this is honestly the best cat game, cat board game out there right now. Because usually they're all pretty uh they're pretty light and like uninspired or they're speed games. And this one, while it is light, there are tough decisions to be made. And it's it's just a fun game. I mean, I think we can knock out a, a full game in like 10 minutes. Nice. And we don't just play it one time. So Sometimes those games are fun to just pull one of those out or a couple of them out for the evening and just play those, knock a couple of them out. Yeah, and just just the, the graphic design and the art style is just right for that type of game. It's a perfect price point. I believe it is only like 25 bucks. It's it's one of the better filler games that has come out in the last few years. I'm going to have to check that one out because I think Kim and I might like it. You should, and I will bring it over sometime. All right. Okay, my number 48 is a little dice game that was released in 2016, designed by Keith Matejka. And I believe we are both awaiting the expansion for this one. It was published by Thunderworks Games. It is called Roleplayer. You know, this is, I believe, the first crossover. Uh, have you already said this one? This is my number 96. Oh, is your 96? Okay. Yeah, I had this at 48. <laughs> um, I really like this game, but uh, coming from an, our, a role-player gamer background, I mean, I while I don't RPG and role-play much anymore, um, you know, in my younger days, you know, as a teenager, I D&D for years. 
And that's all we did. Once we once we found D&D, that's all we did. And this game really captures that theme and that feel of rolling up a character. Um, and if you've never done that before, being able to turn that into a board game um, where you're rolling dice <coughs> and you you're just trying to build up a character and then the expansion is supposed to let us now fight with that character possibly against a monster. Um, I can't wait for that. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's so, probably going to come in the mail like by the time this goes out on, on the air. I'm, I'm hoping so. Is it supposed to really become this week? Uh, within the next month, I believe. So pretty All right, soon. cool. Yeah. I mean, so it was, it's, it's just, I had seen the game and I was hesitant about picking up because I really hadn't heard a lot of things about it, but then I just pulled the trigger on it one day. And then I, I believe the first time we played it was down over at Dave's and we all just really liked it. I mean, it was just, as far as dice placement goes, this is probably similar to like what you were talking about a few minutes ago, favor of the Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it's very similar to that. To me, I prefer this one a little bit more to favor of the Pharaoh. Okay. I I mean, so this would be my choice of a dice placement slash manipulation style game. I I would put this one along the lines of Sagrada more than anything. Yeah. uh, Yes, exactly. That's, that's another good, another good point. So we'll see if Sagrada is on your list. It's not because I like role player a lot better. I I don't get, I don't get the hype around Sagrada, honestly. I have it yeah, too, and I don't get the hype. When, when we played it, it was okay, but I would have, I would still prefer role player. And I'm in the same category. So, all right, that was my 48, and we are on to your number 47. My 47 now is well, screw it. I'm going to say it's an abstract game, even though it has a <laughs> theme. It's an abstract game, though. Just, just because there's art on there, it's, it doesn't matter. It is one of probably one of the first one of the first few games I actually picked up that I really enjoyed and managed to get a lot more of my family involved into. Called Splendor. And I this is another game where anyone I've introduced it to, obviously for people who aren't as much gamers, they have all taken to this one very easily. It's very simple to understand. Either pick up your your tokens or pick up a card with your tokens. Easy thing to do. It's it's simple to pick up. Easy game. I I can't really say much more about it. Pretty much anyone who listens to this knows what Splendor is. So yep. what the hell? You don't need me to tell you. It's a simple All game. Right. I don't care if it's a race or not. It's it's fun. It is fun. It's a, it's a nice light game. It's one of the it's one of the better lighter games out there. Exactly. That's my forty seven Splendor. All right, my forty seven was from twenty sixteen, published by AEG, designed by David Short. I guess you could say it's a little bit of a bag builder with a racing twist put on it, and that would be automobiles. Well, that that kind of thing is my bag, baby. <laughs> um, in this game, you're going to have different colored cubes. And you're going to be pulling those cubes out of a bag, and that will let you move your car around a track. Um, you will have different cards that will let you maybe manipulate the cubes some, um, fix up any damage done to your car as you're racing around the track. 
but it's a really cool game. It's a game that's been on my wish list for a while and one that I I can't believe I have been added to my collection, especially once the expansion came out for it, the racing season. Because mm-hmm. we actually played with the racing season before, and Kim isn't a huge, huge racing fan, I think, like I've mentioned before with some of my games. Um, but I believe she actually really enjoyed automobiles. Because I think she kind of dug the whole bag building thing because um, she was able to catch on to that. And she was familiar with that whole thing from Orleans and stuff. So um, automobiles is my 47. If you like racing games, if you like bag building, um, definitely want to check this one out. I will say the expansion makes the a, a good game into a great game. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And we are on to your 46. My 46... Is an abstract game. Ha ha ha! It is by your favorite by your favorite designer. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I can't even tell you who the designer is right now because I'm not looking <laughs> at BGG like you are. So, <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, I know all these games by heart like this. I'm not looking at BGG. What are you talking about, Eric? <laughs> whatever, man. Whatever. Mine. Your forty six. Is a two-player abstract game that I know you have not played because I've told you about it and uh, you keep saying that you haven't played it. And it's called Yinch. Yeah. Nope, haven't played this one. And this is one where it's a simple game where you start out, each player starts out placing five rings on a grid. And what, what you have to do on your turn is you have to put a little token of your color in one of those rings and then move it along a line. And the whole purpose is to get five of your color in a row. And once you do that, those will come off the board and you will remove one of your rings off of the board and you are trying to score three rings. The crazy thing is there's a lot of flipping going on. If you ever played like reversey uh, on the computer, there's a lot of that going on because your ring can jump over tokens and thus flip them to the other color. So you're trying to do crazy tactics like that. This is a hell of a game. I love Reversi, and Abstract Games doing this is a hell of a time. I suck at this game. I don't think I win this. <laughs> I, I think I've lo- me and Yuki play this. I know she likes it. I, I don't think I've ever beaten her. I suck. I'll get like one point out of three, but she just kills me. That's funny. I suck at it, but damn, it's it's a fun game. It makes me want to play the other, the other Jip series games badly because it's like, oh, so good. Cool. All right. That was your 46. Yinch. So my yeah, 40. Spell that one. Y-I-N-C-H. S-H. S-H? Oh, see, I was close. It was one letter <laughs> off. All right. All right. My number 46 is a game from 2015 designed by Brett Sobel, Seth Van Orden, published by Navu Games. Don't know if you've ever played this one before. It is called Stockpile. Never played it. Want to. This is a, as the name states, it's a stock market game. Each player is an investor. At the beginning of the game, you're going to start with a certain amount of money, certain stock. Each round, you're going to be given some insider information to a particular stock and how it is going to react. So you have to try to watch what everybody else is buying and selling because if somebody's dumping something, They could have a card in their hand that is going to basically lower the value of a stock. And if you have quite a few of those, you may want to get rid of that. Um, So in the next phase of the game, 
Um, you're going to basically be purchasing and then bidding on different piles. It has a really interesting bidding mechanic mechanism to it because each different there, there's going to be a kind of like a, a column of cards and there's a track above that that you could start putting your uh, a, your colored worker on there and you can keep jumping over and outbidding people for that column of cards and the column of cards that are there there could be some cards face up and some cards face down so you may not know what's there each player has a card that they are given at the beginning of the game which kind of like is their personality or the person that they are they have different abilities one of the abilities you could have is to maybe look at one of those columns of cards and see what's face down in there. So you might have a little bit more information than somebody else. And um, as far as stock games go, this is probably my favorite one as far as board games go. Um, you know, I've played several different economic style games over the years. But uh, as far as stock games, this one's definitely a blast. It's not too, too hard to pick up. Um but if you get a good group of people playing this one, it could be it could be just be a lot of fun. Next stockpile, number forty six. We are now on to your forty five. My forty five is I'm pretty sure it's an abstract game. It has a theme, but it's it's a very abstract theme. <laughs> also, from one of my favorite designers again. This is World's Fair 1893. I have not played this one, and I've wanted to. This is a game that the first time I played it, I didn't even know about it. And I demoed it at the store. And I played it like two or three times in a row that day. Because, A, it was quick. And all, all you're doing is you're placing one of your little supporter cubes, or in my version, I have little people, and you put it in one of five different colored areas, and then there's cards on that area. You take all the cards from there, and then more cards come out of a draw pile in this circular fashion around the board. And then all it is is a it's an area control card drafting game. And you control the time flow of the game because certain cards you make force this time track to go around. And after every round is up, you start scoring for different sets that you have. But in order to score the sets, you have to have a majority in the areas corresponding to that color set. And it is one of the... It's a lighter game, but there is a lot of depth in it where you're thinking, well, do I want to maybe go for first place in this area to score a bunch of points? Or do I want to suck it up, take second place, but just like so get other cards for another thing? A lot of choices in such a simple game. It's a hell of a family game. I know everyone in my family likes it. It's really cheap. And it was one of the it was one of those games where the first time I played it I said, You know what? I really like this one. I'm gonna go buy it. It's also from Renegade Game Studios, so you know how you know how much uh, I'm on their nuts, so <laughs> <laughs> So that's my 45, World's Fair, 1893. All right. My number 45 is a little different than yours. Probably a little heavier. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot heavier. Yeah. This game um, was released in, I, I can't believe it was released in 2016. 
um, designed by Albin Viard, published by AV Studio Games. That's his um, studio that he publishes his games out of. Um, I have played several of his games, and I have several of his games in my collection. They are generally of the heavier notion. And this is one of his latest games called Tramways. So during the Kickstarter, I actually contributed a few more dollars to this game. And if you play the game and you play with a tile that has Whip and Way on there, that is what I'm playing now. Um, In this game, what you're trying to do is you're trying to build um, a rail network, essentially. Uh, In the first part of the game, people are players are going to be drafting development cards and trying to um, do some deck building in their hands. In the second half of the game, you're going to basically use those cards to try to just build the best um, rail network that you can. Um, And this is... A very fun game, but it is an Elbin Viard game, so you know it is going to be one definitely much harder than most other games that you are going to bring to the table. <laughs> um, but I think it's a really cool game, not only because Whip and Way is in there, uh, but just because of just because of the gameplay. I I really enjoy his games; they are very thinky games. Um, so if you want something that, you know, probably taking a couple Advil after you play is what you're looking for, his games are probably right up your alley. And that is my 45 Tramways. Well, if I know anything, I haven't played that game, but if I know anything like some of the other games of his you forced me to play, (laughs) might be taking like five aspirin afterwards, which I have a feeling the game I'm thinking about is a lot higher on your list. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. We'll see. All right. All right. 44. My 44 is another light family style game that has been a hit with everyone I've showed it to lately. It's a dice rolling area control slash majority game, I guess. Las Vegas. Yes. Nice. I mean, that's all it is. Roll dice, pick all of one number, put it on a spot, try to bid for whatever money card is there. And whoever gets the most money after four rounds wins. I guess you could call that area control. That's why I say control, majority, who, you yeah. know, something like that. But I don't know. It's it's one of those games. It's just such a simple concept, but... It's hell of a lot of fun. Like, I'm not thinking when I'm playing. I'm, I'm thinking a little bit, but not as much as some of these other games. But it's just a hell of a time. You know, I've, I haven't had anyone not like this one yet. Especially, I've introduced it to my family. I, Other foreign families I've introduced it to, they've liked it. It's easy to pick up. It's language independent. You can, you can t- show this to anyone. As long as you can read numbers on a die and can know what the different numerical values of currency are, it's pretty much all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that's, that's the gist of it. Yeah. You, you can, can probably get read, drunk and play this game, too. If you can read dice and you can read money, you're golden. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a lot of fun. It's, it's it is. A, it's an awesome game. All right. My number 44 
I don't want to say what its rank currently is on BGG. It was a game released in 2017, designed by Isaac Childress. That will give it away right there. Published by Cephalair Games. It is the current number one game on Board Game Geek, and that is Gloomhaven. Mm. Um, I started playing Gloomhaven with my group. Um, I think we started playing it last year. I think it was. I don't remember when we started playing it. Um, I had to drop out because of all of the work that I am currently doing on the website and trying to meet for a four to six hour game every other Sunday was taking up way too much of our time, um, especially since we moved our streaming time to Sundays. So if you don't know, we do stream on Sundays out to Twitch at twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. We usually try to be on live between two and three normally, usually closer to three, I will say. Um, but Gloomhaven is a very, very good dungeon crawler game. Um, the interesting thing about this one is no dice. It is a more of a European style in that each character that plays has their own deck of cards that you will build your um, hand with. During your turn, you will choose two of those cards to do actions off of. Each card has um, is divided into an upper and a lower part. The upper part of the card is normally some sort of combat style mechanism or movement, well as the lower part of the card is true movement as far as moving spaces. Um, and it's just a dungeon crawl. You are just fighting monsters trying to get through um, a dungeon, but the the theme of the game and the, the storyline, I think, are what make it basically as amazing as it is. Um, when you start off, you will play through a scenario, and after that scenario, you will then have a choice of going to a couple of different scenarios. You have a big board in front of you that you don't play on, per se. The big board is basically just a map that you will put stickers on and unlock different locations as you're playing through the story. And you can retire your characters... And upgrade them when you start off the game. I believe you have six of the characters in the box available to you. And then there are other characters that when you retire a certain character, it will unlock other characters in the box that you didn't have access to. So it is just one hell of a campaign game. I can see why it's number one. Um, but it's also a game that unless if you're going to play this game multiple times a week, you're never going to see the end of it. <laughs> it is just huge. I mean, the length of this game is just quite amazing what they were able to pack into this box and the story. The story was amazing too, from what I saw of it, hmm. but um, that's Gloomhaven, My number 44. A game I will probably never play unless, unless Dave forces me into it. I don't think he would have to force you. It's something to play once or twice. It's, it'd be good to experience, but then again, because of the campaign style, playing it once or twice, it's it's not really a game you can do that with. You know? It's something if you're going to play, you're in for the long haul and you're investing significant time into it. Yep, and that's that's a big knock on why I will probably never get it. Because when it comes to that, I'll just buy like a an RPG video game. And that's and that's essentially what it is. It's basically Skyrim in a box. And I hate Skyrim, so perfect. Don't need to buy it. <laughs> you hate Skyrim. I may have to hang up on you. I, I I don't get the hype on that game. I don't know. All right. We no longer do video games here. We're in a board game, so we're not going down this road. 
right. Do your voiceover. We are on number 43. My 43 is a board game that they have several implementations of. So, ho ho, I am turning into a video game show. (laughs) (laughs) It is probably considered one of the more modern, classic modern Euros. And it's one that I played on the app before I got it. And as soon as I played it, I'm like, yep, I'm getting a copy of this one because I was addicted to it. So my 43 is Carcassonne. Nice. Uh, I, just just picking up the tiles and placing them out there and trying to gain control of the cities and score the different roads. I don't know. It was just something that was brand new to me when I first played it. And I said, this is awesome. I love it. It's so simple to play, but very deep when you actually do play it. Very cutthroat when you actually play it right. And I don't know, it's just one of those games. It's one it is a game. I don't think there has been a tile laying game that has done it better yet. And it's from like the year 2000. So Yep, that is an older one. You don't have too many older games on your list either. No, but I, I when I do, I really like them. So. Yeah. Nope. No, that's a good one. I'm, I'm still, I'm still uh, discovering some of the older games too. So you gotta, you gotta give me at least another year or two before more of them start popping up here. Yep. Well, we'll have to do this again next year then, maybe. <laughs> that's my forty-three Carcassonne. All right, my number forty-three is a game designed by Andrew Fisher, Nathan Hajek. And published by FFG, it was a game I recently picked up and have been playing solo. Um, I have talked to Kim about playing this one, and I think I might have her convinced to maybe give it a shot. And that is Fallout. Oh, wow. It's mm. Fallout is basically kind of similar to playing Fallout 4. And I put in a lot of hours into Fallout 4. And I I mean, there there have been some different knocks against this game. But I think, you know, Fantasy Flight did a pretty decent job of what they did with this game. The combat, I think, is kind of interesting. Um, You have a character that you can build up, and it is kind of using that whole special um, theme that they came up with in Fallout. And uh, your board is going to basically be different with each scenario you're playing through. Uh, and, And playing solo actually... It's it's kind of fun. It really, I mean, the first time I had played it, I sat there and I was like, I looked at the board and I looked at some of the different areas I was going to and I was like, I remember this from the game. I remember that from the game. And I don't know if that's one of the reasons why it kind of ended up a little higher on my list is because I had a connection to it from the video game. If I had not played that video game and wasn't familiar with the whole, the whole thing, it might not have been there for me. And the way Fallout 4 ended for me on the computer, we're not going to go into it. I didn't care for it, but um, I just, I really enjoyed what, you know, how this game played. It's weird to see it up so high because I know people kind of give a lot of shit to it. It Yeah. I mean, but I, I liked it. <laughs> I, I sometimes have odd tastes, but we are on to your number 42. My number 42 is a game I first got my eye caught on because of the art style. 
And yeah, I definitely picked it up a lot early in my gaming career, and coincidentally I've bought it twice. Second time being a deluxe edition. This is one of my wife's favorite games, and it is probably one of the lighter point salad games that I own. Hmm. Can you guess it, Joe? I have a couple coming to mind, but I'm we'll go for it. I'll let you say it. <laughs> My 42 is Takedo. Oh, I wouldn't have said that. Well, see, it it was the point salad that threw you off, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Well, that's because everything you do, you're getting points for. Every move, you're getting points. So that, that it is, it is the definition of point salad, where you're just traveling across a road and just doing getting doing anything to get points. That's all it is. You're you're stopping at inns to buy to get food. You're getting souvenirs. You're paying tributes at at temples. Getting visited by travelers. You're you're making paintings of of the sights you see. It is a simple game, but it's just one of those games where you kind of just shut your mind off and just enjoy it. And I suck at it. I never win. Yuki always wins, no matter what. I see a pattern here. Yeah, I don't. Win. <laughs> I don't win shit. I don't win shit. But you know, we don't play games to win. I just play games just to enjoy the game. I don't need to win. I want to win one time. You know, it's just once would be nice. You eventually will. <sighs> All right, my number forty-two is a game from twenty sixteen. It's a kind of a popular game. Um, designed by Jamie Stegmeyer, published by Stonemeyer Games, and it's Scythe. I'm gonna fucking kill you, <laughs> Eric. I don't think you're a fan of this game, and nope. I am sorry for that. Um, you are allowed to have your opinion, <laughs> which is not the opinion of this podcast. <laughs> but Scythe is—I don't—I like Scythe. I've played it multiple times. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it is, um, an area control game where you're trying to do resource collection. Um, combat in the, in the game sometimes doesn't really come until later on in the game. I think early on, most people are just trying to build up their, their kind of like civilization and trying to just get, um, something, you know, get an engine going for them. But, um. I won't talk too too much because I know Eric's not the biggest fan of this game, but I will say it's I think it's pretty good and it made it up to number forty two for me. So and that is Scythe. Man, I just played it and it was the hype just killed that game for me. That's that's all it is. That's and that's 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 completely fine. I mean it is number eight on BGG, so I'm not the only one who likes it. True, true. And I, I'm a hater, so I mean so it's you're you're allowed to not like something. That's completely fine. You want to hear a funny story about that though? <laughs> uh, go for it. So there was there was one uh, Facebook post somewhat recently in one of these game groups, and somebody was asking about Scythe. You know, because he was like, "I don't get why it why people like this one." He he was sharing the same opinion as me, pretty much. I, I chimed in there, and I was like, "He was like, what what is what what do people get about this?" And I was like. I don't know. It's like a mediocre game with really great production values. 
the first comment on there was from Jamie Stegmeyer saying, that's exactly what I aim for. And I'm like, Son. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, oh, great. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to get like ripped by the designer of this game. And he did that. And I was like, all right, touche, sir, touche. It's I what I really like about the game is the the design, the, the production value is completely off the charts. It is a beautifully designed game. But when it comes to doing the actions on your turn and your player board has both in a couple of different actions on there, you have like a top row and a bottom row of actions. I really think it's interesting the way that is implemented and um, utilized during the game. You know, it took me, I remember the first time I played it, it took me a little while to kind of understand the concept of how you're using that player board in front of you and when you're putting your worker and you're kind of doing the doing the action selection, I guess you could say, um, for for doing a particular action, you know, it took me a little while to kind of figure that out. But once you kind of get 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 a feel for that, um, I don't know, it just kind of works. I mean, in the production value, you have to you have to give him credit on that. It it looks beautiful. The art style that um, the artist did on that game is just gorgeous, and. We th- we think differently on that one. I mean, yeah. I mean, we just think which I'm, is I'm which is completely of, fine. I, I'm not a fan of that art style. So I I didn't think I would be, but I will give credit where credit is due. I think it I think it looks pretty damn cool, especially when you see some of the mechs in the background of you know some of these like fields and everything. Then again, I kind of like BattleTech and RoboTech and all those types of things. So that. To me, that is more of that appeals more to me, I think, than you. For sure, for sure. All right, we are on to your number forty-one, the last one of the podcast. And coincidentally, I think it's the heaviest game on my twenty that I've named so far. Wow. Okay, I'm interested to hear what this is now. If you're saying it's heavy, hell yeah, let's go. Heaviest, heaviest. Lay lay it on me. It's not super heavy, but it's it's a medium game. Okay. Well, okay. Now you now you're now you're just talking it down now. We went from heavy to medium. I said heaviest on the 20. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. But it, I I thought it was kind of heavy when we played it. It is a dice rolling point salad game. Okay, dice rolling and point salad sometimes really don't go into heavy for me. <laughs> I I I'm I'm listening. I'm sorry. With I I don't know I guess dice worker placement slash action selection slash fuck if I know um my number forty one is Bora Bora oh I like that one yes okay this one I don't it's it's it was, it's a very simple game to to learn but there's yes. so many different ways that you're actually going through with it and I I liked how your choice is actually kind of mattered based on what everyone else is doing since the the dice placement you know it's your choices are slowly going down because they need your dice have to be lower than other people's dice if you pick the same thing and i thought that brought a nice tension to the game where you're like do i do this move now or do I do this move instead? Because I'm pretty sure this one might be open for me, whereas this one I might get screwed out on. And if I do this one, can I screw out somebody else out of a out of a chance? And I think there's so many different interesting choices in this game that it 
lends to the more you play it, the more you're going to enjoy it. Plus, it looks a lot better than some of Stefan Feld's other games. It does look really sharp, and it it, it is a lot of fun. I, we played this one. We played this one in a store without electricity one day. Yeah, we played it like we were on an island. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> All right, my number 41, which will be bringing us to the close of the podcast. And I did not realize this until I looked at this a few minutes ago, that these two games were next to each other. I kind of chuckled a little bit because this one is designed by Jamie Stegmeier, published by Stonemeyer Games. This is Charterstone. Now, you've never played this one, so you really can't say anything about this one. No, I can't. Um, I kind of want to try it, though. Charterstone is a legacy-style game. It is a worker placement legacy-style game. You will play the game over the course of 12 games, starting off with a very, very basic worker placement game. And that first game is very simple. It is a very, very basic worker placement game, um, probably about as light of a worker placement game as you can get. I think it is an excellent place to start. It is like the bottom rung of a ladder. As you progress through the um, legacy game, each game you play will be adding new rules onto the game, new components into the game, new mechanisms, and changing it from a light worker placement game to where it ends up at the 12th game where you have a hell of a lot going on. And it, towards the end, both Kim and I were just like, wow, this has been one hell of a roller coaster ride. I don't want to spoil anything about the game because it's very easy to spoil this. And there are just so many things that you definitely want to experience for yourself as you're playing through each of these games, each of these 12 games individually. Um, and, and what, Jamie was able to do with not only changing the rules, but the story that went along with it. Um, because as you're adding stickers to the rule book for the rules, there is a storybook towards the end that you're putting stickers on as well. And based on the choices that you're, that you as a group are making um, as you're playing the game, your story is going to play out differently. Your board is going to end out differently. Everybody's board is going to end out differently. And the neat thing is with this game, you can flip the board over, buy a recharge kit, play through it all again. I mean, I can't think of the last time Kim and I played 12 games consecutively of one single game so close to each other. We probably knocked this out in about a month playing all 12 oh, games. Uh, be, be, we didn't want to stop. We were we we wanted to see what was introduced next. We wanted to see where the story was going. And it was an outstanding, excellent concept. By the time we got done with the twelfth game, we were kind of done with Charterstone. We were Charterstoned out for the minute. Um, but I, I definitely want to pick up a recharge kit and try it again. The first time we played through it, we just played through with just two of us. It does play two to six. Um, if we can't get more people to play next time, I think we'd like to use the Automas, um, which we were thinking about introducing. But we the first time we played through, we were like, let's just play with two of us and actually see how it plays as two players. Um, I think it's a little drier with two players. It takes a little longer for the board to fill in. Um, so we didn't have a lot of choices during those first several games because you just don't have the board built up with locations to go to for your workers as we did towards the end of the game. 
Um, so that's one thing to playing with two players. But uh, again, the production value of this one, the cards look really cool. They have a nice little cartoony look to them. Um, it comes with metal coins. I mean, it's Jamie definitely knows how to produce a game. And this is another one where he did a great job with production values. And it was it was a really, really fun worker placement game. So, I mean, if you're if you're even slightly interested, I mean, I, I know you've become recently interested in worker placement games. This is definitely one that I think starts out easy, definitely ends up more medium to medium heavy towards the end, um, which makes it a really fun journey while you're playing it. It's it's then, on my list of, you know, if if I find it at like a, a deal or something, I might bite the bullet. Yeah, and it's not really one that you can bring down to the game store and, hey, let's play a game of this. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I can bring down my finished copy, but you will see what the whole board looks like and you will be experiencing something that it would be very hard to teach to you because you didn't go through the whole learning process and evolution of what the game is doing mm-hmm. and from where it starts out to where it ends. So Charterstone. My number 41. And like I said, I didn't realize that that and Scythe were next to each other until I looked at this a little bit ago. <laughs> I go, that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But I think that's it. We are done with this episode of the podcast. So we are going to wrap up episode 198. That's about time. Hey, gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and we would like to thank you for listening to episode 198 of the podcast. As always, you can send us some emails. Let us know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on BoardGameGeek. We do have a guild over there, guild number 2440. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at What I'm Playing Now. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say. You can follow us on Facebook as well. Just do a search for What I'm Playing Now and give us a like there. You can subscribe to our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash what I'm playing now. We will be back next week with another episode, but until then, you know what to do. Go play some games and then let us know what you're playing now. Until next week, everybody, you have a great week gaming, and we will talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.